Welcome to the Seeing Ourselves podcast with me, Sharon Walters. I'm an artist, educator. Um, I'm joined here today at the National Maritime Museum with Fiona Compton. Hi, Fiona. Hi. And Serena Lee. Hi. Do you want to just start by introducing yourselves? Um, hi, everyone. My name is Fiona Compton. I'm an artist historian. Um, I run a platform called Nuya Caribbean, uh, which I started in 2017, which is um, solely focused on celebrating Caribbean history and culture. So going into that, that means you go into many different directions from African history to British maritime history to indigenous history, history of India. So many things fall underneath um, Caribbean history, of course, the transatlantic slave trade. So I focus on celebrating all of those things um, from the Caribbean, and that's what I do. Great, thank you, Fiona. And Serena? Hi, um, I am an associate lecturer in fashion history and theory, but I'm also an independent um, historian, and I love to research culture, um, black culture and multiculture in general. Um, I also run a platform called Georgian Diaspora on Instagram, which I love to look at um, art history and also do research around the people that I put, the subjects that I put into my um, posts. Hmm. Thank you very much. And I obviously, for people who've listened previously, I reached out to both Fiona and Serena after following them on social media. It sounds weird when you say following, doesn't it, sometimes? But yeah, after following you on social media and loving what you were researching and putting together and sharing with a wider audience, I felt it was really important when doing this project to where we're working within an institution for us to really, uh, for me to really bring in voices that are doing the research and people of um, the African diaspora, it's really important for us to do this and sit in these spaces um, and have these conversations. So this is part of a wider project that I run called Seeing Ourselves. So it's a multidisciplinary project where um, I celebrate black women through my work and men, but predominantly black women. And I do that through paper cutting and collaging, um, looking at how multi-layered and delicate and strong and all of those things that we can be where we're not so often given the space to be those things. Um, but I also mentor people. I've recently done a BBC One programme called Make It A Market where I'm a mentor. But I also do speaking events and talks and all sorts of things. So this is part of a much wider project and I'm really glad to be back here with you today working with you on this. So we are going to be looking at two pieces today. <laughs> and we've just been around the museum to actually see these pieces in person. Do you want to talk, introduce the first one, um, Fiona? to us and describe what you can see in this piece. Okay, so this one is Yinka Shonibari's Ship in a Bottle and it's a quite a massive installation that is outside of the museum um, near the cafe entrance and it is a very powerful piece, it's very fitting into like what the Maritime Museum stands for, it represents the maritime history. So it's just like you see little kids growing up or in houses where you see a literal ship in a bottle, mm -hmm. but it is larger than life. <laughs> um, more or less where we have a ship, which of course is like an older looking, uh, what do you think of old school maritime ships um, with lots of the large sails. And it's inside of a glass bottle that's tied up 
with rope and has a wax seal on it. And the sails uh, comprise of very, very distinct patterns um, on the fabrics of the sails. Yeah, and I understand that this piece is one of the most photographed um, works in London, one of the most really? photographed artworks, yeah, in London, oh. which I find amazing. I didn't, yeah. yeah, I did not know that. I think maybe we need to start photographing it and sharing it more on social media maybe because I, I haven't seen this piece shared very often. So it's interesting, maybe people are just taking the photographs and keeping them to themselves or I'm right. not on the platforms that they use. But um, as you said, it's a really large scale piece, isn't it? It's supposed to be the biggest um, bottle piece in the world oh, wow. when it was made, yeah. Shipping a bottle piece in the world, it's, it's quite big and it makes a statement for sure. It does, it does. I have a question. Do we have any information as to why Yinka chose the fabrics on the sails? Because they're very distinctive. Like we can see on it, there's like some weaving of, yeah. um, like you see there's some anchors on there yeah. and some other things that look like some kind of crests. So I'm sure they have some kind of- Yeah, they do. So the ship in a bottle has 80 cannon and 37 sails set as on the day of battle. Um, the richly patterned sails were inspired by Indonesian batik, mass produced by Dutch traders and sold in West Africa. So today these designs are associated with African dress and identity as we know. Um, so that's the connection in terms of the, the Indonesian batik. Mm. But I'm, yeah, they're really interesting, aren't they? I think yeah. there's a real kind of conversation between identity and culture but also within traditions of, of Englishness, I guess. Yeah, because you can see he's referencing something very English when it comes to, because um, it's supposed to be of Nelson's ship, yeah. his last voyage in um, 1805. And he's redone it and then put like these African style prints as the sails, there's 37 sails. And yeah, you were talking about the Dutch print uh, cotton, which is used, and he made sure that that was printed deliberately for for this. So it is definitely a a back and forth. Yeah, and a link to colonialism, obviously. Absolutely, and it speaks to multiculturalism. Yeah. How even you know we're here uh, in the West, and we're made up of both sides. I think, and I think that's what he's saying. That's what it says to me when I look at this ship. You know, Nelson is such a British figure. Very, very British, uh, very, do you know, it's very national, but at the same time, it has that kind of African flair, mm. the diaspora flowing through, like the vision of what Britain is. Mm. That's how I relate to it. For people who don't know much about Yinka Shanabari, do you want to um, tell us a little bit about him, Fiona? Because I know you've worked quite closely with him, especially recently. Yeah, um, Yinka is a Nigerian artist, sculptor, he also has an MBE, and he's done like like series of lots of very powerful sculptures like this one. Um, but he does speak quite a lot about the colonial legacy, um, which he is part of, and speaking about the wider colonial legacy of Britain. Um, he was also um, the founding artist for the World Reimagined, which I have been on the board on for the past three years, and as a historian and artist. and he had founded the idea of the World Reimagined, which is now the largest um, project for racial justice in the UK. 
and over the past three years, and especially how the uh, project came into this huge finale at Trafalgar Square, we did get the results to see that um, one in 20 people in the UK engage with the project in some way. That's phenomenal, and isn't it, it? Yeah, yeah. And Yinka was, a man, Yinka was a man who developed the term the world reimagined. Mm -hmm. He's the one who developed the concept of us using globes as the canvases for the artists. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who was really pushing the concept. So he has done some amazing, amazing work um, and continues to do so because he does, he supports artists in, in his residence in Nigeria where yeah. there's a farm. Um, so he does a lot of hands-on work as well. I was speaking to someone who runs the, you know, like manages it for him mm -hmm. just the other week because I, it sounds like such an amazing opportunity to be in Nigeria. I'm very passionate about going to Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make my way there. But um, yeah, that's amazing. Is there anything else, Serena, you wanted to say about this piece? I think when I when I think about the textile as well, the, mm. the, the print of it, I think it does, it kind of weaves, um, like I was saying before, the European and the African mm -hmm. identities through the actual textile because it was taken, it was, it, I mean, it's very popular now, the um, African, yeah, yeah cotton but it's printed and it was produced by Holland and it was specifically to be sold to Africans in the 19th century. And it's interesting because you think where, where the Dutch merchants got their ideas from was from the weaving and the Indonesian weave and the batik where it's the actual kente cloth. Mm. So the difference between and how maybe people don't know the difference between each cloth and the history behind it. I think he is speaking about that in this piece you know, with the sails and the very, very Englishness of, you know, almost you could see it as a slave ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel when I, when I see ships like that. I was trying not to say it looks like a slave ship because I didn't want why to were you just trying, jump in. Why, why were you trying not to say that? Because, that's really interesting. Because I have to recognize that maritime history isn't solely about slavery. Mm -hmm. So that was me trying to just not focus on that but clearly it was in my mind yeah right and I was trying to like jump like navigate around it but I think it's what you're saying Serena is so important because the what we call now African print um, and I think it's unfair for even for us to say that because well for one it's not originally African but mm. also it just makes it look like the whole continent just wears that and, yeah. and it really diminishes like how diverse the textile industry is on the continent but I think it's also looking at how this specific maritime history and all of these traders have shaped an identity of people in such a visually impactful way because when you see this fabric, everyone identifies that is African. It's actually, no, it was developed by Dutch people who were inspired by people in Indonesia. It has no real roots. Yeah, exactly. But then now this is our number one visual reference for African fashion, African identity. Mm. And we have, we don't know that history and it was shaped by people who are not even from there. And then now this is the number one marker identifier of, mm. of that culture. So I think it's, it's really, really important that part of that history, that history of textiles and, and maritime history. Um, and then also the fact that it does look like a slave ship. And even looking at other, other textiles and fabrics that have shaped like the Madras fabric, that you've seen a lot of the national dresses in yeah. the Caribbean. And that was something where was developed by a Scottish 
traders in Madras, India, and that traveled across to West Africa, was used as, as um, trading fabric um, during the slave trade, and it went across to the Caribbean. It's now very much part of our identity, and it's in, in so much of our national costumes. So looking at how those histories, this specific kind of history of trade has shaped our identities, even in our fashion and dress and how we feel so proud wearing those things, I think is an important thing. That's my biggest takeaway from this. So on the bottle, there's a huge wax stamp. Fiona, what's your response to that wax stamp? I like it, because <laughs> I was like, you know what, Yinka, big up yourself. Because yeah. he put like his initials big in the old school cursive and the MB, and yes, some people may feel very conflicted about getting, being honored um, with things like MB, OBs, and knighthoods and stuff, but you know what? I'm like, yes, you can big up yourself. Like, so many times black artists feel that they have to be thankful to be put in a space and they, they diminish themselves. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, you can big up yourself. And just kind of, when I saw the wax stamp, it made me just think of all the correspondences that you, I would find like when you go in the archives and see the old stamps and mm. it just reminds me of, it just feels colonial as well. It's almost like a rec reclamation, isn't it? Or a reclamation. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And then just the, the rope that's wrapped around the, mm. the mouth of the bottle is like, looks like ship rope and things so but I really love that part. Yeah I think he is definitely making a comment and even just the way that it's in a bottle like that mm. and um, I think it's Arthur Jaffa um, he's a cinematographer and he speaks about um, in his idea that blackness was made on the ships mm. that's when we went from Africans to being black yes. it's an interesting mm. concept yes. it is a really yes. interesting it's concept. very very yes. interesting what yeah. you're saying but I just think it it's almost like a in a lab, it makes me think of scientific in a sense, just looking at this bottle. Mm. So I think Yinka is really has made a mark. It does actually, it makes you think about history, but it also makes you think about the future as well and how you can reimagine something. But actually he's underlining the foundation mm. of this nation. Mm. It's interesting that you say that um, it's almost as though he, you could reimagine and it goes back to the world reimagined, you know, that kind of connection. It's almost like these works were the start or the kind of thought process or notebooks, like very beautiful, exquisite notebooks and <laughs> very large scale, but like notebooks of um, his thought processes and his, his ways of thinking um, in the earlier stages. Absolutely. So the other piece that we just went to have a look at is called Ship of Fools by Kehinde Wiley. Um, this is a large-scale pa oil painting in portrait format that depicts four figures in a leaking boat with a tree seemingly growing out the centre. Now, this is a piece that was on show in Kindy Wiley. I think it was last year mm. at the National, so that would be two 2022, because I realise not everyone's going to be listening to this in 2023. So it was in 2022 this was um, exhibited, and it's now been acquired by the National Maritime Museum. Serena, can you talk to me a bit about how you feel about this work? What things stand out to you in this piece? I think the main thing is it's quite dark. Yeah. And then the figures are illuminated. Um, it's definitely hyper-realistic. The figures are have this light with them, and they're holding onto this tree. The main figure is holding onto a tree, and that's what sticks out to me. 
um, when you think about a tree and its roots or the tree of life, it makes me think of the tree of life. And then you've got the two figures in the foreground, the two women, I suspect they're women, and they're speaking to each other as if they're unawares to the, I mean, there's a foreboding sea and sky there, and they're not like kind of connected to that. They're connected to each other, having a good time, a conversation. I really there's like that. There's real joy, isn't there? Yeah, there's in their something expressions that, exactly. And, their... and even in the way they dress, and I do like how Kahindi adds that kind of hip hop style, mm. even though it's very, very European, the very European style Rococo, European paintings. But you can see that he's definitely making a comment on the diaspora. Mm. And holding on to who you are despite what your surroundings might be. Or Yeah, and I, I like what you said about the sea as well. That sea is seriously foreboding. It is. But they're not being swayed by it. They're mm. holding on to their joy. And the words that come to mind, I know they're hugely overused, but black joy, mm-hmm. um, in, despite, um, in spite of adversity. I think, of course, the tree that's like right in the middle, right? But I know in the description it says the tree is growing out of the boat. I don't see it as that. I see it as an uprooted tree. So it's like a tree with no roots. A lot mm-hmm. of the time, people from the diaspora are described as that, as you don't, you, you, you don't have any roots, right? So you're just this uprooted um, tree. So that's how I see it. That mm. they're carrying a memory, but the roots are still back from where they came from. And I yeah. think that's what the little boy in the corner of the boat is kind of reflecting on, he's looking, he's looking back at where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think the young man in the middle who's, um, he's the one, he's kind of closest to the tree, kind of halfway leaning on it, and he has an oar in his hand. So therefore, he's a person who's supposed to be kind of navigating, but he's not. The water is taking them away, whichever direction. And yes, it's very foreboding. And he is the one who seems to be the most aware of the situation mm. in a way, but he's not he's not using the awe. And he's almost looking back at us as the viewer. I don't think he's looking directly at us, but he's, yes, he's looking the like, closest to us yes. in terms of giving eye contact. Yes. Um, the two in the front, you know, I'm trying to understand like what um, what Kennedy's um, intention, intention was. Was it looking at black joy? Was it looking at people who are completely oblivious? to what's happening around them. Like, what was the intention? I'm still trying to decide on what it is. Maybe it's all. I was just about to say, maybe it's all of those things, yeah. Yeah. Because it's originally, it's fashioned off um, the artist Bosch, who was a German um, painter, and it was called he did a triptych, and it was called Ship, Ship of Falls, the same same name. Mm -hmm. But the ship that he painted had like, it was a, there was too many people in the ship and a mm. lot of them were they were on their way to a sanatorium basically yeah. and they were acting like crazy and not so they were othered basically in that ship so I don't know if, if Kahindi's saying that or not saying that because they don't seem the feeling is different when I look at this image compared to that one this image has a totally different it has life in it yeah and it's quite serious and sober mm. Yes, it is very sobering. And then, so what do y'all think about the the boat in the back? Oh yeah, the old. Yeah. That maybe that's about the past. I don't know. It feels like it's some kind of important reference. Yeah. Mm. 
but it is far away in the past but you never forget it it's still with you yeah so it's in yeah. the background it's almost like a shadow like a memory like yeah, something that stays with you yeah acknowledgement mm. like but also ghost. i like how strong that central figure is standing so despite what's happened in the past they're still going forward they're still having moments of joy. They're still reflecting. All of those things, I think, are really important. Yeah, I like it for that too. Yeah. Yes, a lot of mixed, d different range of strong emotions going on. Yeah. And it's like carrying the the, the tree is, yes, it, you, you're coming from a place, yeah, that you were seen. I understand that term as well, that we're rootless, but it's almost as if we take our life, our love, our joy everywhere we go. Mm. That too. The boat is very small, but the tree is so huge. It is. Mm. So it's a lot to carry. It is. It is a lot to carry. And wherever we go, we'll put it in the ground and yeah. we'll bury yeah. it. Yes, and it will grow again yeah. and it will bear fruit. So There's some hope with, yeah. within that. Yeah. Why do you think that he put the ore in the young man's hand? Like that? I don't know. I Maybe to do with having the ability to change, to change direction, mm -hmm. to steer, mm -hmm. to direct your life, maybe a, a kind of metaphor for that. Initially I thought he was holding on to um, the tree, mm. but later realised that it's the oar. But maybe he's this, he's able to steer his own ship, to steer towards his own destiny. Maybe that is to do with hope, a symbol of hope. Mm, like he's the lookout and maybe mm. the, the child then is looking, looking back. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about the child, yes. You can see the wave. The wave's big. Yeah. The yeah. tree's big. Yeah. Yeah. So what does the ore mean? And the ore, if you have one ore, then it's sometimes if you just if you're paddling with one ore, if you don't do on both sides, sides you're just going up going in circles. So that's mm. even maybe like looking at lack of access, you know, because it would make your journey so much longer yeah. and so much more difficult to navigate and direct because you just have one ore. I think what I like about both of these works is the fact that there are so many unanswered questions, like mm -hmm. so many artworks that you're drawn to it because you have to fill in the gaps and you have to almost join the dots and work things out and work out what happens in between. Um, and you're left with more questions sometimes than answers. And I feel that, especially with these two works. Yeah. And I think that's okay mm, when it comes definitely. to art. and. Um, again, like imagination, but also being able to express, you know, where these artists are coming from and that they're speaking to us, to yeah. everyone, and everyone reflects differently. And I think it's important that we see more of this type of art, um, especially in an institution like this, because mm. I think it speaks to the historical, um, you know, traditional imagery of ships and everything else. These types of things allow you to reflect and mm. they have this conversation. I think the contemporary to the historical. And we saw that in particular, didn't we, in the gallery space that we went into earlier on, mm. where this work um, was on display. Because there were a couple of other pieces that we were really drawn to as well. And I think it was because they were so starkly in contrast to the more traditional pieces. But as you say, they, there was this interesting conversation between them, which I think more, especially if you're trying to engage with audiences that may not traditionally go into museum spaces or institutional spaces, it's really important to bring in more contemporary voices and pieces so that people can have a way of connecting with work rather than feeling like museums are very cold, stale, 
yeah. um, spaces that don't where you can't see yourself reflected back. I don't know how many pieces the museum has of this kind, um, but I think it's really important that these works are in are here because we're able to see, pardon the pun, but we're able to see ourselves reflected back. Abs absolutely, and the fact that you said that this is one of the most photographed, mm. I mean, that just tells you something right there. And also, just going back to the Kehendi Wiley piece, the ship in the background is like the ships that we saw on the walls mm. around it. Yeah. So it's like a ghost ship mm. to me, in a sense. Yeah. As I said, it's a ghost of the past, it's a reminder mm. of the past, because obviously you can see like all the subjects in the boat are dressed in very contemporary clothes, so it's modern day people, and you have this little reminder in the back that's always there. That's, and the thing is, you know what, they're not looking to the boat for help or assistance. No, they don't look scared, do they, yeah. either? No, no one's scared. No, they're just, they're on it, yeah. I think it's it's important to show that I I love how the water is not calm. Mm. It says very foreboding, very dark, yes. and you know, and even the scale of the work, the work looms above you, doesn't it? As you stand in the gallery space, it's huge. You know, it's it's a huge piece of work, um, but somehow it makes you feel connected to it because of the scale, because of. Um, the luminosity of the of the, the figures, yeah. yeah, the subjects, yeah. they're really brought to life. Yeah, they are because I mean the sky is so dark, the sea is so dark. Even the tree in itself is 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 central, but it's not about the tree. It's no, about it's the people yes. in the boat. The figures there, that's what illuminates from mm -hmm. from the piece. Mm -hmm. And blue is used quite a lot in this piece, isn't it? Yes. If you think about the blue of the sea, the blue of the shirt, the t what appears to be a towel. I really, I really like it. Yeah. I like his pieces. Yeah. And I think I, I like that it's kind of leaving you as an open-ended question because you, you go home thinking about it. Yeah. What's happening currently with the museum is um, the introduction of more contemporary voices in these spaces. So what I've been thinking about with doing this body of work is, is really how we... I hate the term take up space. <laughs> But you know, how we situate ourselves, how we take back some power in the ways that we work with these spaces, how we, how we can introduce new voices. Um, and I think what I'm really pleased about is that through an introduction to you, Fiona, to um, Sarah, one of the senior members of staff here, we now have some brilliant news, don't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so with, with the... With the World Reimagine, we had last year, the, the plan was to have it um, different arts trails in seven different cities for 10 weeks. We did that, great, and people were like, wow, this project is amazing. So then it was put into the Olympic Park in Stratford for a month, great, amazing. Then uh, we got the opportunity to have it in Trafalgar Square for two days, great, amazing. But the Maritime Museum, um, and in a very short period of time, actually, um, we've managed to, to tie things together and we're going to have the globes here for almost three months, yeah. um, starting from next week. So that will, that will actually be like our longest exhibition. That's fantastic. Because yeah, you know I'm not quite about mentioning people <laughs> to these spaces. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're pulling everybody. <laughs> because I think it's important. I think sometimes yeah. there's a feeling that if you are doing a project, you almost shouldn't 
mention other organizations or that's enough now we've done enough in this space no, there's, no, there's enough there's, space there's enough there's space, enough space. Yeah. there is enough space and i think it's important that um that there continues to be some kind you know enough space and we we bring in other people that we know that are, their work could be fantastic here and i i just i want the work to be accessible i want people to be able to come in and see themselves reflected back. But not just reflected back, I want the people to be working within these institutions to also look like us, for the people who make the decisions to also look like us. So I think it's just, I think each generation is trying to do their bit. Yeah. But um, I think also, it's, I think in terms of just having many different ways to have these conversations. So that yeah. this podcast is wonderful. You know, the museum has a whole catalog of events coming up mm -hmm. with the Caribbean takeover, yeah. so that's one thing. There's lots of different ways to engage. And I think, because before doing this project, like I had, I had never visited here. I never thought that I would see myself in like the Marathon Museum. Mm. It's just a set of boots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I had, you know, you think about um, the Cutty Sark and all of that, so you don't really think that's really part of my history. And to see like all some of like the most beautiful things that we've seen. We've seen yes. some, some beautiful really things yes. just come away. Absolutely. Really lit me up. Of course, some of it is hard, but mm. some of it has been equally as beautiful. And I think about it and it makes, it gives me joy that actually, We've been here, and we have been part of this story, and we've been captured in, in many beautiful ways, you know? And I felt like, what I, I felt um, happy and sad at the same time. I was like, why, like for example, the Angostina Brunias thing that we saw, our, you know, so that's one is like our favorite, right? Yeah, we love that one, right? <laughs> and it's so small, and it's inside of a book. And we open them up, and especially, of course, the woman, we loved her so mm -hmm. much. And I was like, why haven't millions of us seen you before? Mm. Which piece? Tell me which piece oh, this is. I'll show you a picture of it. It's a study of, 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 of Brunias did. Study oh, here done. gosh, yeah. And then, but we had just loved her, like her look. Wow. How she just looks so... Oh. Just a look of love kind yeah. of thing, you know? And that's the piece we're thinking of having for the cover for the second yes. series of this yes. podcast so yes. I think that's what we're going to yeah. do just just everything about good so that was a study for one of his more popular mm -hmm. um, paintings which we, comparatively we prefer this you prefer one. this yeah. yes um, but yeah and it's it's small and I felt like every black person should see this mm. every black woman should see this thing this is like from the 1790s we don't get to see ourselves in this in mm. this way and to know that it's in a maritime museum I never mm. put the two together I think that's what I've loved about what I love about this project I'm not talking about in the past tense like what I love about <laughs> this project is um, how it extends what I'm doing in my studio practice to translate through to having some is being able to do some historical research as well and have these amazing conversations which then in in turn kind of have an impact on the work I'm creating. Mm -hmm. So it combines two things that I love, history and art, but my frustration has always been not being able to see myself reflected back positively. Yeah. But what I've really enjoyed actually is having us talking about how we can ensure that we care for ourselves. And I know we've discussed this many times, but I think that's been one of the 
great things that's come out of this podcast is talking about how we heal and look after ourselves when we are faced with really challenging and upsetting material. Yeah, because you have to think like, because I was just talking as we came in, how the first time that we all met, this was a place. Yeah. A couple of years ago, and wow, that first, was it, remember that, those yeah, first images? Reveal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the big reveal. They were a lot. They were a lot, but it is so good and interesting that you have artists like yourselves that are able to use it as a means to express yourselves. Mm. And I think so many of these institutions have images like this, which are not touched or seen. Mm. And it would be fantastic for me to, to kind of see that stuff because I've known about it, but I just thought it was just me just like looking at these images, yeah. knowing where they are. And so to just meet you two and like do this project with you, it's, it's amazing and it's needed, yeah, it's um, needed because it's about accessibility as well. Yeah. And what the institutions think is it, what people, what, what they, they put out, what they think people will be interested in. Yeah. But as a nation, we have we are so many different stories, and you know, different stories deserve to be told. Definitely, it's because of this is that I reached out to um, I reached out to the National Archives, and we did like um, a similar thing. I asked him could we book a room, and we had some um, people who are from Senusha come and look at the the records for the first time, and because I wanted them, you are about to see something that could could be will be very painful and hard to look at. I, I didn't want them to be in a library where they're told to be quiet and to, to control their emotions when they connect into something so hard. And so they set up a room and they had space to talk and space to express themselves and space to reflect. And you know, these are considerations that I would encourage institutions to do. Absolutely, because you know when you think of going to a place like this, sometimes it's like just the chains. Who wants to go and see like chains or slave? Ch it's you know it's it's hard yeah. in every sense. So just being here and being able to do that with each other, you're right. It's the experience of it, not just it being on the wall or it's in a glass case. It's literally the experience of us being together and talking through it. I think you're absolutely right in that sense. The supportive aspect um, is what I enjoy. Yeah, I think we've come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. <laughs> You've been listening to the Seeing Ourselves podcast hosted by me, Sharon Walters. I'm a London-based artist whose practice includes hand-assembled collages celebrating black women. You can find my work on Instagram by heading to London underscore artist one or by visiting my website, LondonArtist1.com. <laughs>